0: Greetings and welcome to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Joe Ostrowski has the day off, but we are here with you from 9 to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. Listen to the show in the Odyssey app. Watch the show on Twitch.tv/BetQL and YouTube, and follow us on X at BetQL Daily. Joining us on the program today, Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus will get us ready for the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. And then at 11 o'clock Eastern Time, Rick Camp from Four for Four in BetSports has many a bet on today's jam-packed NBA card. But first, let's talk about last night. And while I was spending yesterday really getting my Australian Open futures, uh, all those ducks in a row, uh, Aaron, how did your NBA bets turn out?
1: Pretty good, although uh, a little short on the sun spread, as I'm sure you heard. Uh, <laughs> uh... Historic comeback, but didn't cover the four. So that ended up going to minus four. And um, they only won by what, two points? So.
0: 1917 yep
1: uh full disclosure I did put in a parlay I thought about mentioning it on the show but it was minus 220 and I knew everyone would be like ew you can't give out a minus 220 parlay it was a Jokic and Sabonis don't
0: Oh
1: give it out it's kind of a, a bad look to do a parlay that's uh not uh plus money but you know you know those (laughs) guys that was honestly though if you do look at Yokicha double doubles that was like the best value i think it was only like minus 400 last night sometimes it's like Mm -hmm. minus a thousand two thousand it's crazy but uh both those guys typically get triple doubles Sabonis did uh but on the Sun side I I didn't expect them to be down like that I thought the Kings were gonna just be exhausted from that road trip and then you started to wonder like okay you know the big three they're finally playing together hopefully they're gonna go on a run now I mean it was cool what they did and came back but a little worrisome that they just got off to that slow start
0: yeah, it, it is fascinating when we're trying to analyze like what to make of the Suns, because we, we saw this from the Nets a few years ago when KD was there, right? Where when you're looking mm-hmm. at futures and the record and all that good stuff, you're like, OK, well, we still believe in KD, even though the Nets have a bad record and they might get uh, matched up with, say, the Celtics in the first round. What are we to believe? I mean, we like the personnel, but are they coached the right way, et cetera, et cetera. And I wonder if history is kind of repeating itself. Like, yes, we have a whole second half of the NBA regular season to go. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, it's like, all right, at some point, we do need to see those strides for us to really believe that the Suns are true Western Conference contenders. And at least when it came to last night, like, yes, it, it was a very close game. But there is something about having that comeback and Kevin Durant being poised in clutch time, et cetera, et cetera, where you go, okay, That's a nugget that we can take going forward that helps us believe that, yes, the Suns can contend with Denver and all these other, the Clippers, all these other formidable teams in the West.
1: I think the other thing that stood out to me in that game was Grayson Allen led the team in points. So on a night where it wasn't Durant or Booker or Beal, you got another guy that could chip in. So I thought that, um, you know, could give some Suns backers some hope that you don't always have to rely on those three.
0: Want to talk about the uh, Sixers and Nuggets game because uh, it's Joel Embiid uh, getting the better of Nikola Jokic in this one. Uh, Jokic does get his double-double of 25 and 19, but Embiid 41 points, 10 assists to go with his seven rebounds. And we talked about this yesterday, as far as this being sort of a true, you know, MVP, MVP, head-to-head kind of contest. Yes, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is also very much uh, high on the list as far as MVP contenders. But in terms of the two guys who've already won it or are still very much in contention, Embiid got the better of Jokic in this contest. And basketballreference.com has an NBA MVP model that uses the most predictive stats for determining who will win this honor. And right now, Joel Embiid in this model is leading the way, followed by Jokic. So Embiid averaging 10 more points per game, that seems to be the key difference maker. I thing too is that Embiid's going to the free throw line a good bit more, averaging five plus free throw attempts per game. So when you watch this contest, Aaron, and you're analyzing like who can win this honor as of right now, yes, again, plenty of time for someone say random to be able to make a charge. But do you feel like that Embiid separated himself from the rest of the pack after this one game?
1: I mean, really what I think about it is that Jokic isn't as concerned about winning an MVP. I think that maybe it just doesn't mean as much to him. Uh, and perhaps he has his eye on winning a championship and that it's like, I I kind of thought this yesterday, like, yeah, he's going up against Embiid, but I still think this is a team that could flip the switch come playoff time. And, and I think saying coasting throughout the regular season is a bit extreme, but I still mm-hmm. don't think he cares that much about it that it's like you know cool and be like I don't really care I just you know want to play basketball and go back to my home country in the off seat he just seems just so chill about everything that I'm not sure The for his own ego and his mantle that he even cares about the MVP so I wouldn't be surprised if
0: Embiid wins it. What is the right term here? So it's not coasting. Yeah. like You and I agree on that. It's certainly not that. But it's not like gas full throttle or you're driving down the interstate. Like, what's what's the happy medium that I think best describes Jokic's cruising? Like is it Maybe? Is Cruising? Maybe? Cruising
1: midway? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> like, is
0: that it? Like, like neighborhood driving? Like, you, you know, it's not just, okay, you know, foots off the gas pedal and it's naturally moving. But, like... I, I don't know, like, school Mailing it either? in. <laughs> mailing yeah. it in
1: is epic, Jake. Yes, I like mailing it in. Because Jokic it's... can mail it in and still get, like, triple doubles every night because he's that good. I mean, and, and I think right. there's a great mutual respect. I love the rivalry between those two guys. And Embiid and even said after the game, like, he's the best player in the league. Like, blah, blah, blah. You won the championship. You know, he's saying all the right things. But I kind of think Jokic is playing this game I'm like, all good man like you could win this little this cute little regular season matchup but uh we're gonna win that championship and that's all that matters to me
0: right and I also think Jokic is smart enough to to know that when you do contend for a championship whether you win it or not that's a lot of additional minutes compared with everybody else who could be in contention here like Embiid got ousted in the second round meanwhile the Nuggets had to play a third round all those minutes and an NBA finals and all of those minutes at some point these things start to add up and I have to believe that there is a kind of school zone driving that you have to adhere to so that you are readily available to play those additional minutes come NBA playoff time so it makes Mm -hmm. sense Uh, it makes logical sense maybe it's not a good thing say for a old school basketball fan uh, who wants everyone to be driving at the interstate uh, staying in the right lane perhaps but that's the only compromise you're going to get but still though whatever that happy medium is that's definitely what we're looking for and by the way I did catch the end of the Clippers game uh, between OKC and Los Angeles and uh, Paul George is something special uh, breaking news there uh, but again it goes back to this idea that like Paul George can take over in clutch time Kawhi Leonard yeah. can take over in clutch time like yes I know James Harden and Russell Westbrook They don't have the best of playoff track records, but there are a couple of guys who can and who have, and maybe they're going to be the focal points going forward. And so maybe it's one of those deals where, okay, yes, you do have anti-clutch players, but focus on the guys who can do it. And maybe if you look at it as more of a glass half full kind of exercise, maybe the Clippers really are contenders.
1: I have a comp for you. Tell me how you feel about this. Like, could you see some similarities between the Cowboys and the Clippers? Like, from a betting perspective, like, maybe good Uh, in the regular season, but you get a little nervous come playoff time. Like, is this the year? Is this real? Because I don't know if I can buy in and put my money on it this year. That's where I'm at.
0: Well, the – well, the Clippers did make the Western Conference Finals recently, and meanwhile, the Cowboys did not make the NFC Championship game. So that that might True. be the one like hole I'd poke through the argument, I guess. Uh, but at the same time, there may be something to it just because th- there is something know, perhaps glorious about Clippers regular seasons over the last few years and the ability for everyone to believe the ceiling is a championship. And look, there are plenty of reasons why they can very well contend here. Yes, Denver does have the continuity, but if the Nuggets do suffer, you know, any kind of key injury to any of their stars, then they're not who they were. And that does open the door for somebody else. Could it be the Suns? Maybe. Could it be the Warriors? Perhaps. But, you know, OKC, I thought looked fantastic in a loss last night. So they'll be interesting. Minnesota is a bit of an unknown. Yes, they've had a great regular season. But can they do this when it's adapted to to a playoff space? So in that respect, like maybe the West is a bit more wide open where the Clippers do have an opportunity here. Again, asterisk, everybody has to be healthy.
1: Exactly. And that's just the thing. I think it's it's not so much like looking at what they're doing and it's just more mm-hmm. the fear, like, Oh man, do I really want to put my hard earned money behind this team? It's just, <laughs> and of course, when you don't, that's probably when they will go to the NBA finals. But um, that's just something that's been worrying me. It's like, I don't know if I can back them now.
0: I've been hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Uh, let's move on now to the NFL and coaching news. And there's not a whole lot, I guess, to get to, except for the fact that, say, uh, the Atlanta Falcons interviewed Jim Harbaugh. Nick Sirianni is going to meet with Eagles owner Jeffrey Lurie later today. So whatever happens with that conversation, we have to make, wait. maybe wait a little while. But what I think is interesting in all of this is that the Athletic co- correctly pointed out when it comes to maybe the slow movements with the Cowboys and the Eagles that it took eight days for Jeffrey Lurie to decide on firing Doug Peterson back in uh, 2021 but with Jerry Jones, it took six days to fire Jason Garrett back in 2020. So while we may be impatient and maybe we want these decisions to be made quickly, at the same time, I look at this and go, well, history tells us it might be a week, maybe even longer for these things to get resolved, And patience has to be a virtue in this spot
1: yeah don't they know we have shows to do we got things to talk exactly. about. exactly like, content get these firings done i i agree and and you've got to think especially with you know sirianni first like it, because they did go to the super bowl you probably don't want to do anything drastic or impulsive like you probably want to sit down and have some thorough conversations like is this fixable and if it is how are we going to fix it or is it so broken that it's just best for everyone that we turn the page here you know because Mm -hmm. it's a very complex situation and there's probably even a lot more we don't know about going on behind Mm -hmm. the scenes but the fact that so much even leaked out and we're not even Even in the Philly market, I think that says a lot about this could be kind of toxic and maybe it's just so broken that it is best, but I think having a conversation like they're going to have is the right move rather than, you know, you just listen to certain players or whatever, you know, and make a knee jerk Mm -hmm. reaction. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners and for a limited time tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments offer valid through january 31st so don't wait visit hellotend.com/sale that's hello t e n d.com/sale and book your free consult today
0: yeah of course a- absolutely and and it's you know it is about your due diligence seeing where the locker room is seeing what the temperature is all that stuff but also Who can you get to replace these guys if you can't find somebody who is better than Mike McCarthy? And look, I think that's a fair thing to say. Like, yes, Mike McCarthy didn't have the best of, uh, you know, coaching performances in that playoff game. But can you find somebody better? If you can't, you might as well keep him. Don't necessarily change for the sake of change. Find someone who you think can unlock Dak's fullest potential. And maybe that's part of this process as well is to have those conversations and figure out, okay, this is all the information we have. Can we find someone better? And if we can't, then we need to find a way, I guess, from a PR perspective to kind of patch things up.
1: And I do I mean, obviously it's easier to blame Mike McCarthy and the coaching staff. And I do think it's good that Dak took a lot of responsibility too. That was not his best Mm -hmm. performance and he should. And a part of me thinks maybe, you know, to take the pressure off Dak, he's got the star on his helmet. Maybe that situation he, I'm sure he wouldn't admit that going somewhere might be better, but I wouldn't, when you talk about unlocking his full potential, maybe a change of scenery would help Dak.
0: Maybe so, maybe so it, it will be certainly in terms of like the money that he would command the salary cap hit next year, all of that stuff. Like it may be too rich for the blood of the Dallas Cowboys. I think that's fair in terms of what you're getting versus what you would have to pay. But at the same time, like that change of scenery can be helpful for him, but also, you know, being part of an offense where, you know, the the, the handcuffs are taken off in, in some way when it comes to, like the last few years, Zeke being forced to, to utilize him in some way or, you know, having other receivers where maybe they're paid a little bit more than perhaps they're worth. Like having yeah. Dak in a different spot may be useful for him, uh, but then it may also be useful for the Cowboys in terms of them moving on. And maybe they do need a quarterback in that rookie deal just so they can solidify other areas and make it work all the way around.
1: Agreed, and maybe just not waste, because then you're just running it back another year. Is it going to be the same old thing again when you could have
0: started with a rookie? (laughs) Yeah, right. We'll find out, won't we? This is BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we power rank the best non-quarterback units still standing in the NFL playoffs. That's coming up on the BetQL Network.